We distinguished yesterday between Nikse Melog that the the wife brings into the marriage. And there the wife retains ownership of it. Uh, the husband can uh, benefit from the fruits, uh, from uh, the profits that come from it, but the principle goes back to the wife at the end of the marriage, uh, meaning if it went up in value or it died and there's no value, the benefit and the loss is up to her. So Nikse Melog certainly belong to her and she takes it back. Nikse Son Ubarzel, Son Barzel, on the other hand, that Barzel has a fixed value set at the time of marriage, written in the Kitubah, says this couch is worth $1,000, and at the end of the marriage, she gets $1,000. We saw yesterday Machloket in that regard. Um, if she wants the couch back, uh, she wants the actual couch, not the $1,000. And uh, so far, we were assuming that, let's say, the couch was still worth the same amount as it was before. And she says, listen, I don't want the money the and cash $1,000. I want the couch, which is also worth $1,000. Well, that was a machloket. And the Rav Yehuda says that she is entitled to say, I get, I want the couch it has sentimental value. And since it's equal in value to, to the assessment from the beginning, so the husband has to give it to her, uh, but that yet that was a machloket. Now Rabbi Yudah is going to say one more scenario that uh, to, that clarifies it even further. Let's say she brought into the marriage two couches that were together worth one thousand zuz. And then by the end of the marriage, when they're getting divorced, now they went up in value. And these two couches are together worth two thousand. And say again, she wants the actual couches, not the money. So he says, I want to pay you one thousand dollars, and I'm going to keep the couches. She says, Listen, you owe me a thousand dollars. Give me one couch that's worth one couch is worth one thousand dollars now, and I will pay you. She says to her husband another $1,000 for the other couch, and I want the originals. The Avyuda says, yes, she is entitled. Uh, she takes one couch as the payment of the Ketubah, because that's worth $1,000, the set amount that was assessed, and another um, she buys with money, and she can take it, because this is a uh, an honor from her father's house. Uh, that she remembers, and this is a father gave it to her, and so has has uh, sentimental value, and she has a right to it, even though it's nixe melog, and nixe son barzel, and it belongs to him. Nevertheless, she brought it in and intact. If she gives him the value, that's good enough. Okay, we ask my kamash malan. What is Rav Yudah adding to us, uh, adding here that we didn't know before? Shevach hadazimna. In the machloket from yesterday, Rav Yudah already said that the shevach, the assets, uh, that what she brings in from her, her paternal family, and that that sentimental value, that uh, that praise, that this is, you know, this is, shows her um, her uh, how proud she is. From uh, of, of something that she got from her father's house, he already said that yesterday, and therefore uh, this is obvious. His ruling that we just that we see now, with two couches, there was one couch, two couches. Oh, here's the chidush. I might have thought 
that when the Rav Yehuda says that she gets to keep what she brought in to the marriage and if she wants the actual item, that's only to the extent that she is collecting her to Ketubah. Ketubah says $1,000, so she can take uh, the items, any items she brought in, up to the worth of $1,000. So she can take uh, objects <clears throat> rather than monetary value in payment of her Ketubah. But then that's it. So once she gets one couch, that her kutubah is paid, and he says, that's it, everything else is mine. I don't have to sell you the other things. That's what I might have thought. So Davida comes to teach us this case with when there's two items that, yes, she can even come and claim, I want both items back, and I will pay any of the difference. All right, very good. And now we get to the next Mishnah. Bat Yisrael sheniset lechohen vamet. Okay, it's a bit complex here. We have Abat Yisrael, who by herself cannot eat Tirumah. And she was married to a Kohen, so during that time, obviously, yes, she can eat Tirumah. And now the Kohen dies. And now remember, if she has children with the Kohen, then she can continue eating forever. If she has no children, she goes back to her father's house, which is Israel, and she cannot have Tirumah. And the same would be true for the Avde Melog that belonged to her. Uh, so, and if she eats, if she has a living child, then she eats and her Avdeh Melog also eat. If there are no children, she goes back to her father's house and Avdeh Melog go with her and they do not eat. But here's the in-between case. She is pregnant. Let's assume for a time being she has no other children. So now she's only pregnant. Is the, does the fetus count? As a, as a life here and allow her to be have a, have a family with the Kohen and she can eat and, uh, and the Kohen also and the, and the Avde Melog also or is the fetus not sufficient and it's like she has no children until it's born. So that's the question and the answer is So she, uh, she would, the, the fetus is not considered sufficient. We'll see the Gemara will give two explanations. Either it's not considered a Kohen or it's not uh, sufficient, uh, su- sufficiently a life. And uh, therefore she does not eat. Her slaves uh, also do not eat Terumah. Not only the Avde Melog will not eat Terumah because they she can't eat and her Avadim cannot eat. The chidush of this phrase is that even the Avdeh son Barzel also cannot eat Terumah. The reason is because they were able to eat Terumah while the husband was alive because he owns them. Avdeh son Barzel is the responsibility and full ownership of the husband. But now that he died and there's no other heir, there's no sons there's no or daughters, there's no heirs, and only this fetus is the heir, but the fetus it itself is not old enough, is not, uh, cannot, the fetus will inherit these uh, Avde Son Marzel when it's born. But right now, as a fetus, cannot own them and therefore cannot entitle, does not entitle those uh, Avde Son Marzel to eat either. So none of the slaves that she brings in can eat Terumah. Uh, so here's the general rule. The fetus uh, disqualifies even her mother from eating Terumah and it does not, does not, also does not entitle even the, his uh, slaves, the Avdeh 
son barzel also does not entitle them to eat and those are the words okay now the rabbis have a different opinion and they challenge him and they say so you only told us the case of a bat kohen married to Israel, but your logic regarding avdeh son barzel would apply even if it was a bat bat kohen married to a kohen. Now bat kohen married to a kohen for sure she can continuously eat tiruma. She grew up eating tiruma. She's married to him. She's tiruma, and whether they have children or not makes no difference either she's connected to the husband a deceased husband and eat tiruma or she's connected to her father's house she can eat tiruma the avdeh melog that she owns can can continue eating continue eating tiruma yeah uh, that every uh, that it would agree to but the question is that regarding the avdeh son barzel and according to your logic he dies and leaves her pregnant. So the Avdeh, Son Bazel, and even if it's Kohen married to a Kohen, should not be able to eat Tiruma because who owns these uh, who owns these uh, these uh, uh, slaves? The he is dead. She does not inherit, right? Wives do not inherit husbands in halacha. Rather, it's the fetus that's going to inherit when it's born. But right now, it's not born. And so, uh, the same reason, enoma achil, would apply here also. So they ask, how come Rabbi Yosef? Why do you only talk about a case of Bat Yisrael married to a Kohen? You could even even, even said anyone married to a Kohen, the nichse avdeh, son barzel, will not be able to eat. And that's it. It's left as a challenge. All right. That's very interesting. Now the Gemara is going to explain the reasoning for them. So the question was asked, what is the reasoning of Rabbi Yoseh who says that a fetus does not entitle the slaves that is going to own the Avdeh, Son Barzel, that belong to the father, but now the father is deceased, uh, that this uh, fetus does not entitle those slaves to eat Tirumah. What is his reason? Possibility number one is because he thinks that a fetus in the womb of a non-Kohen woman is also considered a non-Kohen. In other words, the status of a Kohen only applies when it's born. We look, hey, who's the father? Oh, the father's a Kohen. So now this baby, one day, uh, one day old, will is considered Kohen. But while it's a fetus, we say, Ubar yarech immo. In general, there's a question about a fetus. Is it its own being? Or is it just part of the mother? It's a, it's a limb, it's part of the mother. And so following that opinion, so since the mother is a bat Israel, so too all of her body and any, any fetus inside her is also considered a Yisrael. And therefore, even if you say that a fetus can own uh, something and can inherit these slaves, but it, uh, right now it has the status of a Yisrael and therefore cannot eat, uh, the, uh, the slaves cannot eat Tirumah. Or do we say another different reason that it's not because it's a bat Yisrael, uh, considered a, a Yisrael? Really, if fetus can be considered a kohen even as as a fetus, the problem is that it's it's not born. It says only something that's a, a, a child that's born can entitle others. If it's not born yet, it just doesn't have the power, doesn't have the status as a full uh, being 
to entitle others to eat. And this would be based on a reading of this Pasuk. So a Kohen and anyone that's born in his house can eat Tiruma under him, but it has to be born. If it's not born yet, it's not considered yet a being that is powerful enough to eat Tiruma or to entitle others to be able to eat Tiruma. Okay, so those are the two possibilities, and both of them are satisfactory explanations in the case of a Bat Yisrael married to Kohen. So we ask, what would be a practical difference between them? And the answer is, in this, the second case here, the ones that the rabbis challenged Biyose with, where it's a Bat Kohen married to a Kohen, then would the fetus uh, give uh, allow the Avdeh uh, Son Barzel to eat? Well, that would make a difference in, depending on what you pick. If you say that the problem is that it's in a Me'ezara, that the mother is a Bat Yisrael, then if it was a Bat Kohen married to a Kohen, then you wouldn't have this problem. It would be considered a Kohen and uh, would be able to entitle the slaves to eat. So this would fit with the opinion of Rabbi Yoseh. Uh, here, who says only a case of Bat Yisrael, that's where it does not entitle, the fetus does not entitle the Nixes on Bazel to eat. But if it was a Bat Kohen, then they, he shows specifically this case. If it was a Bat Kohen, then the fetus is a Kohen and the slaves can eat as well. Uh, according to the second reasoning that it has to do with it being born, well then it makes no difference whether the mother, what the mother is, uh, since it's a fetus, any fetus, no matter what the mother is, cannot entitle others to eat. And so that would be the presumption behind the challenge of the rabbis that said, how come you only talked about a case of Bat Yisrael? Why don't you say, talk about a Bat Kohen? It won't make a difference. And so uh, this very case will depend on which explanation we choose. So my, now what is the what is the law? These two possibilities we, we uh, said anonymously are actually the opinions of Rabbah, Explains the Yosef saying the first reason that because uh, it goes by the status of the mother, if the mother is Yisrael, the fetus is the Yisrael until it's born, then only then it will become a Kohen. And Av Yosef explained it the second way that any fetus does not have the status yet that can allow others to eat. Okay. Metibet. Now we're going to challenge the second uh, explanation here. Amru lo This is just a braita that is a little bit more elaborate version of the of the Mishnah. So the rabbis came to the Biyose and said, since you gave us testimony only regarding a case of Bat Yisrael le Kohen, Bat Kohen le Kohen Mahu, what if it was a Bat Kohen? What would you say in that case? The same question they have. Although over here it's more of a challenge, in the Mishnah it's more of a challenge, and here it's like asking him, what's the law? And he answered, I have a tradition, I heard a tradition uh, about this case, Bat Yisrael, I never heard a tradition about Bat Kohen, and so that's why I don't teach it. Right? It seems like the tradition is, is specific, that only in the case of Bat Yisrael, 
the fetus cannot entitle others. But Bat Kohen, so maybe it would. I just didn't hear a tradition. Okay, now we're going to analyze it. So if we follow the first the first explanation that uh, the fetus follows the status of the mother and the mother's bati therefore the fetus is also considered Israel, then it would make sense why he might why there's any possibility that he would distinguish between the two cases. And he says, I heard a tradition about the case of Bat Israel, and there it makes sense to apply that the fetus is not considered a Kohen. I never heard any tradition about the case of Bat Kohen, and there's a good reason to distinguish them because if it's a Bat Kohen, then maybe the fetus follows the, the mother and uh, therefore the fetus is considered a Kohen and they could eat. So there's very good reason to distinguish between them. But if you follow the second explanation, that it has to be born in order to entitle others to eat. If it's not born, then it doesn't. No matter what it is, no matter what the, who the mother is. Uh, then why would he say, I never heard about this, I did hear about this, I didn't hear about that. That's the same exact case. There's no logical reason to distinguish between the two. And so, therefore, uh, this Baraita supports the first uh, explanation, uh, and is a challenge to the second one. Kashya. Good. So Rav Yudah is quoting the name of Shemuel saying, this that we learned before, up above, is the opinion of Rabbi Yoseh, which is, is explicitly says in the Mishnah, it is the opinion of Rabbi Yoseh, but Shemuel wants to tell us that the sages disagree, and they say, in no matter what, in all cases in all scenarios Avdeh, Son, Barzel do eat Teruma here's, I'll go through every case if the Kohen has living children actually alive and born then the slave, then they are the heirs to these uh, Avadim and they are Kohanim, they're sons of Kohanim and so they are slaves uh, that they now inherited can eat teruma. If he has no children, so, so who's going to inherit? Someone inherits the, the property. If the Kohen has no children, the property goes to the brothers. The brothers are Kohanim too, so they can eat. And if he doesn't have any brothers, so it'll go to the father, the uncles, someone in the family, in the male side of the family, will inherit. And there are, are, are all, by definition, Kohanim. And so they uh, can eat uh, on behalf of the of the entire family, and uh, the point of the chachamim is that we don't consider the fetus anything. It's uh, we don't even uh, uh, its existence is not yet relevant. It's not owning anything just yet. It's only a fetus. It cannot inherit, and so um, the slaves are owned by a living kohen, whoever the heir is. Okay. Now this statement that he said in the name of Shemuel, he said that is the opinion of Yosef. But Chachamim, it sounds like he's saying that is the opinion, but he doesn't agree with it. He's supporting Chachamim against Rabbi Yoseh. Is that true? That Shemuel uh, disagrees with Rabbi Yoseh? Remember one time Shemuel told Rav Chana from Baghdad, Pok le be He says, go and get me ten uh, men. I want a minyan here. Not to pray, 
but rather as to hear this testimony. I want to say this in front of them. When you say halacha, halacha lemaaseh, you say it in front of ten people, then you're saying it in public. Uh, same way when a rabbi would say something in a pirka, in a public lecture, that became binding. So he wants, uh, he wants this to be a public announcement. You tend to be a public announcement. Ten represents the whole community. I'm going to say this. Someone who gives a gift to a fetus, the fetus actually does have the power to acquire it. Right? It's not a baby gift, it's a fetus gift. If you do that, then it owns it. You can't take it back. Uh, it actually owns it. So a fetus can have ownership. Uh, so therefore, if we apply that here, since a fetus can have ownership, but a fetus can be an heir. If a fetus can be an heir, then that's a problem because that doesn't work with Chachamim. Chachamim gave all these scenarios. They left out fetus because they assumed a fetus can't be an heir. Uh, a fetus cannot own anything. But Shemuel doesn't agree. Shemuel thinks that a fetus can own something. And then that would fit with Rabbi Yoseh, who says the fetus is the heir and owns these slaves, but the fetus is not a Kohen, not old enough to entitle others. And uh, so you see that according to Shemuel's reasoning, he should agree with Rabbi Yoseh. It must be that he says, these are the words of Rabbi Yoseh, and I agree with Rabbi Yoseh. And by the way, there's also another opinion. So, so what's he telling us? He wants to inform us. Oh, listen, Rabbi Yoseh says this, and I agree with him. By the way, there is another opinion. And so he tells us what it is. Good. Hold on. Is there really a machloket here? Does anyone disagree with Rabbi Yoseh? Matib Rabbi Zakai. We have a statement, a baraita, from Rabbi Zakai that says, one time Rabbi Yosei gave this testimony, right? Um, and he said, uh, this, the, the halacha that we said in Amishnah, and he said, I heard this from Shemayan Avtalion, and they agreed to it. So, uh, since they, it says they agreed to it, it sounds like that is the halacha, and everyone agrees to it, and there's no disagreement. No, it doesn't say kibelu. That's a stronger word that says they accepted it as the as the only opinion as halacha. It doesn't say kibelu. So it says they agreed to him, which means they agreed that this is a reasonable, valid opinion. But it doesn't mean that they actually uh, agreed to it as the halacha. They had a different opinion, and so yes, in fact. Uh, there is a there are two opinions here to Biyose and Chachamim who disagree with them. The Gemara next uh, quotes a rather long Badaita. Uh, it seems to have three opinions. Uh, the first to Biyose who repeats basically what we already know that he said in the Mishnah and the Badaita above. And then Rabbi Ishmael, the son of Rabbi Yosef, at first we assume that he is arguing with his father. The Gemara is going to conclude that actually he agrees with his father. He's just saying extra, some extra cases. Rabbi Shimon, and then Rabbi Shimon ben Yochai uh, says something new. So we start off, If you have someone married to a Kohen and he dies and they have sons. So that's a simple case. There, everybody, all both types of avadim, of the melog, that's hers. She eats because she has sons from him. And so since she eats Tiruma, her slaves eat Tiruma, and also the Avdeh Son Barzel, those are inherited by the sons, and the sons are Kohanim, and so the, those Avadim also eat. Simple. However, if she did not have any sons, and she only left, he only left his wife pregnant, then 
uh, nobody eats. She herself cannot have Tiruma because she has no sons and uh, her, therefore her Avde Melog do not eat. And also the Avde Son Barzel, since the fetus cannot inherit as the reasons we saw above, so also those Avadim cannot eat. But let's say there's both living sons and she is also pregnant. So since the wife herself can eat because she has sons, her Avadim, the Avde Melog, also can't eat through her. However, his slaves, the Son Barzel, cannot eat because although there are living sons who will inherit, the fetus also has a share in the inheritance. And since it is not yet uh, born, it is not yet a slash, it is not yet a Kohen, its share in the inheritance, even if there are 10 kids, it's one-tenth cannot eat Terumah, and they share the entirety of the inheritance. So therefore, none of those uh, slaves can eat Terumah. Shabbat posel ve'eno machil As we saw before, the, uh, a, a fetus uh, disqualifies uh, the, the someone and also does not uh, disqualifies the mother and also uh, does not um, allow others to eat um, uh, does not entitle others like the slaves to eat. And that's all the Biyose, uh, just uh, spelling it out in further detail. The Bishmel Biyose Omer Mishum Aviv. Bishmel said the name of the Biyose's father, Habat Ma'achelet Haben Eno Ma'achil. This is a cryptic statement that the Gemara is going to have to, uh, is going to struggle with and says, uh, if uh, they have a daughter, presumably that she is pregnant and uh, when he dies and they also have a daughter, and uh, in that case, the slaves can eat. But if it's a son, then if it's a son and and the ubar, then they cannot eat. Uh, so yeah, we understand if she's pregnant, then they cannot eat the ben part. But how come if it's a bat, you would say they can eat? We have to figure that out. Rabbi Shimon ben Yochai Omer, Zecharim Yochelu, Kula Nekevot Lo Yochelu, Shema Yimase Ubar Zachar Ve'en Lebanot Ve'mukom Haben Kilum Rashbi. We'll call him, um, disagrees. He says, if there are living sons, even if she, the, the, the wife is pregnant at the time, the slaves, the Avde Son Barzel, can eat because we ignore the fetus. Well, we'll see two reasons. One is, uh, we say a suffix, that fetus, maybe it'll be born a girl and the girl doesn't inherit anyway. So then the sons are fully inherited. And in any case, maybe it'll be miscarriage. Uh, so suffix, we can ignore the fetus. If there are live, is there, if there is a living son, then the living son inherits the Avde son Barzel and they can eat. Uh, however, if there are only daughters and the wife is pregnant, then you cannot. Now, when there's no sons, the daughters do inherit. So if she wasn't pregnant and there were only daughters, the slaves would be able to eat because uh, the daughters are bat kohanim, and so they can eat and They own the avde son barzel, so they can eat. That's fine. But if the if the uh, if the wife is pregnant, their mother, the kohen's wife, is pregnant, then we say It may be a boy, and if it's a boy, that boy will inherit, and the, none of the daughters will inherit. And so, in that case, in such a case, um, the daughters will get nothing, the son will get everything, but the son is not born yet, and therefore is not yet old enough to be ma'achil, the, avde, uh, the, the avadim that he will inherit. Okay, so that makes sense. Now, we're going to analyze the Baraita in backwards order.
Uh, starting with Rashbi. How come he only worries that maybe the Ubar, it will be a son and then the son will inherit? Even if this, even I'll say there's only daughters, and even if the uh, fetus is a girl, it will also be a problem because that girl will inherit along with her sisters. And if there are 10 sisters, uh, this fetus will own one tenth. And it's, it's not born yet. Its share in the slaves cannot eat, so none of the slaves can eat. So either way, whether it's a boy or a girl, should be a should be a problem. Uh, Hakama says only Hakama only worried maybe it's a boy. And we say you're right. We actually meant uh, two reasons. Uh, we just didn't mention both of them. Number one, if the fetus is a girl, there's only girls, and the fetus, if it's a girl, then that that share of the girl's uh, inheritance will not be able to eat, so then none of the slaves can eat. Or, maybe it'll be a boy, and then it'll be even a worse situation in terms of those slaves eating, because then those living girls get nothing, and the son inherits, and the son is a fetus right now, so the fetus cannot entitle the slaves to eat. All right, that's now we'll analyze the other case of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, when he says, Zecharim Yochelu, if there are living sons, then uh, they then even if the wife is pregnant, they can eat. Um, the slaves can eat. How come we don't worry about the this fetus and the fetus is going to an, if it's a boy, it will inherit and then its share of the inheritance cannot eat. Why don't we say what the Biose said? That's not allowed. How come Rashbi permits it in this case? So one first explanation is that he doesn't worry about minority of cases. Uh, this what's the what's what's the problem? If it, first of all, it might be a girl, and so if there's survive living boys, the boys will all inherit. The girl will not not inherit if it's if, if the fetus is a girl. We don't have to worry about that. And even if it's a boy, maybe it won't survive. Uh, maybe it'll be um, uh, maybe it'll be a, a, a miscarriage. And so therefore, Sefek Sefeka, we don't have to worry about the fetus. And so they're living sons. Uh, we living sons are heirs, and their slaves can eat. Or another answer. Uh, maybe, uh, in fact, we do worry about maybe it's a boy and it will survive. That it is something we have to be concerned about. But we can always do make an arrangement, a type of arrangement of Nachman uh, said in the name of Shemuel, who said that you can allocate money in um, for a minor, and he would say that also for a fetus. Uh, in other words, the idea is we would, uh, you know, there's. Um, uh, all these, uh, there's a lot of the inheritances, these slaves and land and lots of other things. What we can do is we can say, listen, all the slaves, these Avdeh, Son Barzel, will go to the living bo- sons, to the, to the to born sons. And then the one that's a fetus will give it an equivalent amount in couches. And so that way, the, all the, sla- the slaves are fully owned by, the, by the, ones, the sons that are born. And so we can make an arrangement like that. Uh, we have a case well this is not a fetus but let's say you have adult children and orphans and child or adult children and children who are orphans they all lost their father the minors are not yet 
old enough to be able to decide, yeah, we'll take this, you take that. But the bet, uh, but if they want to come and they do want to split the inheritance, they don't want to wait till the little kid grows up to have to split the inheritance. So the betin will appoint for them a an apotropos, a, a custodian. Uh, who will be work in their interest, and he will choose a nice, a nice portion for them. Uh, he will uh, be, look out for their best interest, and then that's it. So they they split it. Now, when they go grow up, they could say, "Hey, that was never fair. We want to redistribute." That's the first opinion. Uh, that's Rav Nachman, name of Shemuel. Rav Nachman himself, however, says, Amar, en When they grow up, they cannot, uh, they cannot um, object. Because if they can object when they grow up, then the split is not really split. The other, all the other older sons have to always worry. Well, when they grow up, we're going to have to give this back. Now, uh, so then the Betin didn't really do anything if it's only temporary and they can always object. Okay, either way, you see that they can make a split that will be uh, binding, whether it's fully binding and they can object or not, uh, is a machlok between Shemuel and Rav Nachman, but the point is they can make an arrangement and they will split the inheritance even while the fetus, uh, before the fetus is born. And the avdeh, the slaves, will all go to the born sons. And uh, there you go, this could explain Rashbi. Now, so now is this to say that the machloket between the Rabbi Yoseh and uh, and Rashbi uh, maybe is parallel to this machloket of Rav Nachman um, whether you can do this type of split or not, as, as such that uh, Rashbi would follow Rav Nachman would follow Rashbi who says you can make such a split and therefore all the slaves can go to the um, born sons and Rabbi Yoseh who was stringent this whole time, he says, no, you cannot make such a split. It's not binding, and the fetus will have a share in the uh, in those slaves until it grows up. And so maybe the the two machalokot the two are parallel to each other. And we say, No, in fact, everybody agrees that you can make a binding split. Um, but this is a case where they didn't do that. And in fact, they're arguing on whether we worry about that minority possibility. Ashbi said, maybe it's a girl, maybe it will be a miscarriage, so we don't have to take into account the fetus. Whereas Rabbi Yosef said, it might be a boy and it might live, and we do have to take into account the minority possibility, and therefore that fetus may very well inherit, and so the other the, um, slaves cannot eat. Okay, good. And now we get to the previous section of the Braita, the middle portion, which was Rabbi Ishmael, uh, the son of Rabbi Yoseh, who said, and he said in the name of his father, it says so explicitly. Uh, so really there makes sense that he would agree with his father. Anyway, we have this cryptic statement, if they have a daughter, the slaves can eat. If they have a son, the slaves cannot eat, assuming she's pregnant. When if there's a, if there's a son, the slaves cannot eat. Because the fetus will share in the inheritance, and the fetus is not old, yet, old enough yet to entitle the slaves to eat. But So the daughter would be the same thing. There's a fetus, and the fetus may uh, will inherit, and that part of the, and, and cannot yet entitle the the. Uh, uh, slaves to eat, so it's the same problem. What would be a difference between bat and ben? 
אמר אביה, אביה זה בריליאן אנסר. אחר בנכסים מועטים עסקינן, וכגון דאיקה בן בהדה בת. אביה says, maybe where it's talking about where the inheritance is meager. If there's a big inheritance, then the law is the sons inherit everything, but there's a built-in clause to the ketubah. This clause is so important that even if you don't write it, it still applies. And that says that at, uh, after the death of the, of the husband, the sons will inherit, but the daughters get to be fed and provided for from the inheritance until they grow up. Right? We, shouldn't, we don't want to leave the, I mean, uh, we don't want to leave the daughters uh, that are the kids um, uh, uh, starving or begging. And so therefore, the sons have to make sure that they take from their inheritance and they pay, feed, pay for the needs of their sisters when they are young. Now, that's if there's a lot of money. If there's insufficient funds to go to both, then the girls take priority. The sons don't get the inheritance and the girls get, all, get the property so that they can live. Um, and the sons, they'll have, to, if they're, they'll have to go figure something else out, go begging, find a job. Uh, whatever. And so this could be a case where there is in fact not only a daughter but also a son. Uh, which didn't say, but okay, a uh, daughter and a son, and there's insufficient funds. And therefore, uh, when there are daughters, the, um, the slaves, those nichseh son barzel, can eat. Because, manafshach, no matter what the situation, they'll be able to eat. Who, if the fetus is a son, is a boy, then, then that fetus doesn't get any more rights than the son that is already born. And we already said that the son takes a backseat, right, because of insufficient funds, So, and the daughter gets all the money. And so if the living son doesn't get it, certainly the fetus, boy, gets nothing. So the uh, slaves are fully owned by the daughter. And if the fetus is going to be a girl, and so if it's a girl, so then it'll be another girl, another sister. And so why do we say the girls eat before the boys if there's insufficient funds? This was just an enactment, midrabanan. So when the rabbis made this midrabanan enactment, they only made it for girls that have already come into the world, that already were born. But if they didn't, not, didn't come into the world, the rabbis did not give them the right. Uh, to to take from the from the boys. Uh, in other words, you know, if he died while she's pregnant and there were only boys, the boys would inherit, and that unborn girl would not. And so the, this whole takana only applies to the living and not to the not yet born. And therefore, this fetus, if it's a girl, also will not inherit, will not get any of the money. And so whether it's a boy or a girl, that fetus is not inheriting, is not going to have any ownership of the slaves. And therefore, when there is a girl and a boy and insufficient funds, then uh, we don't care. Uh, then the fetus gets no share. And that's what... Uh, um, and that's what uh, Rabbi Ishmael was talking about, the son of Rabbi Yosef was talking about. Um, okay, so that's a lot to pack in. Um, we reject that. Now you said this whole thing is regarding insufficient funds. But look at the next case, the whole Baraita. We're assuming that the whole Baraita has to be about the same case. So look at the next 
statement by Rashbi, who says, Shema Yimasehu Bar Zachar, Ben Lebanot Mkom Ben Kelum. He said, you know, we have to worry that maybe it'll be the fetus will be a boy, and then um, the girls, uh, living girls, will not get anything because the this uh, boy will get everything. That was uh, in, within the opinion of Rashbi. And so if there's insufficient funds, that's not true. No, it doesn't matter if it's a boy, the girls will get everything. So it's, we can, the, now the Braita is not consistent. The Sefa is certainly not talking about insufficient funds. So we answer, that's no problem. Could be that the end of the Braita, Rashbi's opinion, is when there's a lot of funds, whereas Rabbi Ishmael is talking about when there's insufficient funds. Okay, so that definitely could be. But now we ask on uh, this explanation of Abaye a more fundamental question. Is this true that when there's insufficient funds, it goes directly to the girls? It doesn't go directly. It has to go still through the boys. As we see, When there are insufficient funds to take care of everyone, and then in that case, you're right, it should go to the girls, but if the boys, uh, the boy orphans, go ahead before the girls to get a chance to get the, take the money, they go and sell everything, right? Shotgun, right? You know, right after the funeral, they go and sell everything. Even if there's insufficient funds, what's sold is sold, and uh, the boys get the money and not the girls. So you see that even though it's true that the girls must be fed from the estate, Essentially, the estate does still first go to the boys, and only then they have to they have to give the entirety over to the girls for their sustenance. And therefore, uh, this scenario will not help because when the father dies, those slaves do go to the sons first, and to um, a possible fetus boy also uh, will go to them, and uh, the and only to the to the girl to to the daughter. Uh, as secondarily, so this does not is not sufficient to explain the the that statement of Bishmael. Elamai bat de katane, and final answer, which is a bit forced, is that when it says bat, if there is a daughter, it's not talking about the daughter of the kohen and his wife, but rather the bat is referring to the wife herself, uh, the the mother of this of the fetus and of the other uh, and the other children. Uh, why is it calling her Bat? Is a bit strange. Well, it does say she's called Bat Yisrael, so uh, the, she is the wife, but she also is the daughter of someone. Uh, so that's referring to her, and it's saying that um, if uh, that her slaves, the Avde Melog, can eat because she can eat, uh, and therefore her slaves can eat. Um, okay, wait a second. If that's the case, and it's telling you that Avde Melog can eat, and Avde Son Barzel, when it says son, that's the Avde Son Barzel that it gets inherited by the son, cannot eat. Well, if that's all it's saying, that's the same as Rabbi Yose. And the Gemara concludes, and yeah, we're totally fine with that. In fact, the entire first two sections of the Braita until Rashbi is all taught by Rabbi Ishmael in the name of his father. And so that makes all sense that the entire thing should in fact be Rabbi Yoseh. He's just uh, adding some extra formulation uh, to as, as further explanation. Well, I'll leave the next Mishnah until tomorrow. Baruch Adonai Lolam. Amen v'amen.